Repent, repent, repent. You are all sinners in the hands of an angry and a very woke God. This is the message to anyone who is not part of the Godhead that is the intellectual elite of the West. Repent, repent, repent. It is said there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Now there are one time and that is the time to be woke the time to be alert to the words of those who preach to the West. And the only word that they, they accept is repent, repent, repent. That is the entire philosophy of intellectuals in our times toward anyone who comes from the West. These are the words of the preacher who preaches to the West. Repent, repent, repent. All of Western thought can be reduced nowadays to one word, repent. Those who repent and why? The West should repent for our hypocrisy, violence, various other abominations, and above all else, for our racism. There is a great indulgence toward others, for example, toward Islamic dictatorships where there is a total lack of rights in the Western meaning of the word rights, where there is endless cruelty, no freedom, slaughter, burning people alive, cutting off their heads. But for the West, and also for Israel, the only hope for the West is repentance and to repent of our past. The high priests of our times, mainly intellectuals, mainly professors, tell us that white people of the West have committed a terrible sin, a kind of an original sin that can't be wiped out easily. Someone said that when people stop believing in God, they'll believe in anything. And I believe we're at that stage. The main factory of ideas in our time is on the college campuses. And what do you see there? An endless catalog of our past crimes, the crimes of the West. Those who repent, by the way, can be redeemed. It is odd because the whole world is knocking on the door of the West. Let us in, let us in, they say. Visas, 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 they cry. Yankee, go home and take me with you. That is what they cry out. But those who uh, deem themselves our intellectual better say the only thing we can do is repent. The whole world knocks on our doors and we are wallowing in guilt and shame. The whole of Western history is reduced to a series of exploitative acts, massacres, and above all else, slavery. We have inflicted, the high priests say, on whole peoples endless violence and humiliation and little else. Because of our own sins, we're not even to mention or compare our sins with the sins of the rest. We're not even allowed to state, well, there were periods of darkness, true, but there are also periods of light. We're not to mention the periods of light. We must not mention Islamic terrorism. Yes, the terrorists seem to be mainly Muslims, but we shouldn't mention that. Anything that might mitigate or seem to mitigate against our guilt is not to be mentioned and never mention the use of force. There is a hatred, a distaste 
for uh, America winning in uh, violent encounters such as wars. And it is said by the high priest that the use of force leads nowhere. Although, although I remember that we gained our independence through the use of force, that wasn't bad. We kept the country together and ended slavery through the use of force. 740,000 men died in the Civil War. Hundreds of thousands lost their arms and legs. So many lost their hands and their arms that they used to sell a, sell a special pen knife. In those days, most working people continuously use a pen knife all day long for cutting rope and such. And so many had lost their hands that they created a pen knife. There was a little lip on the, on the blade so you could flick the, uh, the pen knife against your jeans and that would lift out the, the knife for you because you had no hands. But they say that the, uh, the use of force leads nowhere. It seems to be mainly the use of force when the United States or another Western country uses force. Otherwise, it's not mentioned much. Also, uh, the, uh, they used to kill about, uh, murder about 4,000 Jews a day at one concentration camp alone, Auschwitz, and uh, the use of force stopped that. I think that's a good thing. Some people seem to think that we need to be reprimanded, that we need to be uh, almost attacked by some country out there that has a better way. At one time, intellectuals trotted to Cuba to see what a better way Castro had developed for the country. Then they went to China to see what a, what a better way of life was. And people came back ecstatic. A revolutionary fringe seems to think that somewhere out there, there's someone who can show us a better way. People who uh, set up a country in the name of the oppressed. Intellectuals look relentlessly for a better world to come. There seems to be something about this freedom, this openness, uh, the... the uh, number of people who are in the middle class and who plan to guide their own boat by their own lights that bothers the intellectuals. One thing they have done, and they have been successful considering they haven't fired a single shot, and yet the intellectuals have basically taken over the country in the sense that they created, they create, have created the dominant picture of the world. The worldview that we have today which emphasizes the sins of the West, the sins of the white man, the sins of the man. Um, it comes from intellectuals. And they basically took over the uh, high ground, our universities, without firing a single shot. And we basically do what they say. For example, some people started to yell at the Muslims, at Islam, because of the wave of uh, terrorism that came out of Islamic countries, Islamic groups. But a word was invented, consciously invented by people sitting around a table thinking, how can we stop these attacks on Islam, on Islamic terrorists? And they came up with a word, Islamophobia. They realized that before, when people wanted to stop people from criticizing homosexuals, they had used the word homophobia which was a righteous term because it indicated to people that, look, you're just irrationally 
against these people. Because what? You think they're coming for your children? They're not. They're not interested. And it was a rational fear of um, uh, uh, homosexuals. But here, I would say, some would say, you might say, that the, the fear of Muslim terrorists is not irrational. It's actually quite rational. Islamophobia is the word that was invented by those who would impose Islam on the West. To avoid incurring any blame, Islamists invented a term, Islamophobia, to keep the enemies of Islam at bay. Saying this word stops grown men in their tracks. How many of you have not hesitated to say something about Islam because you're worried that people would say, and they will, Islamophobic, 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 about the only words that you can say are words that say, well, all religions are the same. You will knock that back, you will be knocked back on your heels for preferring the beliefs of the West, which is now viewed as kind of just one uh, group amongst many. We used to believe in this country a long time ago, when I was a little and cute boy, that our values are not just somebody's values, not just the one-time values, not just the unique set of values. We used to believe that our values, the values of the West, were truths embedded in the universe, and that those truths were universal and eternal. No matter where you were, what time you were, what period of history, our values were the right values. We're not talking about whether you wear pants or a skirt. We're talking about values such as liberty and democracy. We're talking about values such as treating everyone equally by the content of their character and not by externalities such as skin color or gender or anything like where you're from originally. We used to believe that those values are embedded in the universe. They are eternal. They are universal. They are the right values. But now we're not so sure anymore. We've been hit pretty hard by the idea that we should be for something called multiculturalism, which of course might be a good word to use. It might mean respect for other people's cultures. But what it means for the people who are the high priests of the critics of the West is that all cultures are the same. And we have no right to lecture the Muslims on how they should live. That our values, um, not chopping off the heads of strangers, uh, not uh, removing the clitoris of women, are universal values and should be obeyed by everyone. We used to believe that our values were truths embedded in the universe and our values are eternal and universal. But now, we are all multiculturalists who are afraid to say we're not multiculturalists. And so the only thing left us is to repent. Our grandfathers were frightened by machine gun fire. We are frightened by a few words. It is incredible that grown men and women in America can be so frightened and shake before someone who threatens to call them Islamophobic. Apparently, we now believe in original sin, but the sin comes only when you are white or male or American or believe in Western civilization. 
when we talk about the sins of the West, we forget that conquest and slavery are not peculiar to the West. And what is the main sin, the original sin of America? Slavery. I believe that's the case. But we forget something. What is interesting about white people and slavery is not that we had slaves. First of all, we had very few. Uh, not any slaves is obviously a bad thing. But uh, we had around 400,000 people in this country originally who were enslaved. And it was terrible. That was horrible. That is a very small number compared to the number of slaves who were taken out of Africa, which number 10 to 15 million are the usual estimates. What does the West have to do with slavery? Well, at one time, that's where we got the word slave. It sounds like Slav, Slavic. At one time, most of the slaves in the world were white, and they came from what are called the Slavic regions, the Slavic country, which is basically Eastern Europe to a fair degree. And guess who came to get white slaves? Muslims from the Middle East. They came in through Eastern Europe, and they came and they took back slaves. Each village had a quota, and if you didn't meet the quota, then they took everyone in the village or just killed everyone in the village. And they took so many that they supplied uh, the slave, the needs for slaves, or desire for slaves, better put, uh, in the Middle East. What is unique about white people or the Western people, whether they're white or any other color, is not that we had slaves, but we ended slavery. Without the West, there would be slavery throughout the world. In less than a century, some extremely white people, English, if you've ever been over there, you can look at a hand and it's, you can see the blue veins through the white skin. And uh, the English preachers, Christians, who are never given credit for this in school, convinced the English people that slavery was inherently evil. It could not be made good. There is no justification. It has to be ended. And they ended it. They ended it peacefully. They did a better job than we did. And soon afterwards, we ended slavery here, though it took a lot of bloodshed. And then both England and the United States, mainly England, sailed around the world and ended slavery elsewhere. It cost us, it cost especially the English, a lot of arms and legs and blood and treasure because the other people did not want to give up their slavery. And the place that was last to give up slavery is, are the Muslim Arab countries. When you see a movie about the English fighting the, uh, uh, let's say the Egyptians or the Libyans, that's what they're fighting about. And whenever the English would leave, they'd go back to slavery and the English would have to come back again and say, no, 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 stop enslaving your fellow man. We ended slavery. By the way, most of the slaves they were taken by the Arabs, who were taken from Africa, of course, that's where you got black people. And Africa is like three layers. At the top, you have the Arab Muslims, uh, Tunisia, Libya, uh, places like that. 
and Morocco. And below that, you have the Sahara Desert, which is gigantic. And then at the, the, the bottom, you have the bottom two-thirds of Africa, which is where the black people live. And the Muslim terror, the Muslims would go, uh, probably sail down to uh, the black areas of Africa and take back millions, millions of blacks. Only a small fraction, by the way, could live if they were marched across the Sahara Desert. And they were taken to North Africa where they were either resold or kept there. It is the Muslims who are the main slave traders of all time, and it took the most blacks out of Africa. And what did they do with the black men that they took out of Africa? Well, this is a particularly difficult situation because the Muslim leaders had these uh, harems, which is hundreds, dozens, thousands of women that they would rape over and over again throughout their lifetime. And uh, they would just be captured and kept here for the, um, for the Muslim rulers. But someone had to guard them. They didn't want their women messing around with other people. And who do they pick to guard them? The blacks, the black men who are slaves. It would be free. But there was one problem. What if they fell in love with a black man? So what they would do is castrate the black men, something that perhaps black men might want to think about when they think about solidarity with the Muslims. There were two types of castrations. If we can think for a second in terms of hot dogs and beans, um, which is a little glib, maybe I shouldn't, but anyway, think in terms of hot dogs and beans, there are two types of castration. One is you sever the beans. That way the man can still pee in an organized fashion. Okay, but they wouldn't have any sexual urges. The other thing is that they were in a hurry and they did this all the time. They would just whack off everything. Just one shot, cut off everything. And th what happened when you did that was, of course, you got a lot of infections and the black men died rather early. But the point is that we were not the worst of the slavers. And it's a little bit crazy, perhaps, to yell at um, the white people who ended the slavery the white people who did not castrate the black man um, as being the villains of all times. What if criticizing Islam is telling the truth about their history? What if we said out loud, yes, the Christians were bloodthirsty and murderers when they deviated from the text? But Islam is bloodthirsty when they follow their text. For example, having sex with the very young women. Muhammad set the example, right? He married this, uh, his favorite wife apparently, when she was six, but didn't have a relationship with her until she was nine. Still seems a little young for me. And when the Christians followed their, uh, their model, Jesus Christ, they acted well. 
when the Muslims follow their model, Muhammad, perhaps they are not acting as well. What is very strange to me and others, I suppose, is that the crimes of today are attributed to the people who have repented of these crimes. We are still waiting for the main slave traders, the Arab Muslims, to repent. By the way, a lot did not um, outlaw slavery. Well, let's see. Saudi Arabia outlawed slavery in 1962, when Kennedy was president. Uh, Mauritania did not eliminate slavery until um, 1981, I believe. And even then, this slavery is not completely gone. There's many, many records and evidence that slavery still goes on in some areas of the Arab countries. A hundred percent of the time, the slave owners are Arab Muslims and the slave uh, slaves are black. Perhaps we should give up waiting for the Arabs to repent. By the way, the black um, Africans realized in recent times they had done something wrong. They were one half the slave trade. They brought the slaves to the coast where they were bought by uh, white people and taken away to America, or mainly to the islands, the Caribbean islands. Um, the blacks of Africa today what they do is, uh, at least two nations have had a one-time, one-day uh, time when they uh, had a kind of a ceremony and they talked about what they had done and they admitted their sins. One time. Done. We should also remember as I said, not just the dark periods, but the light periods. Many people outside of the West identify with the West in the United States as the main source of light. Remember what I heard on my last visit to South America? Yankee, go home and take me with you. Yankee, go home and take me with you. I also heard the words, visas, visas, please give us visas. That and the uh, educational segment, so to speak. Uh, each time I expect also to have an example of fake news. What I mean by fake news is not saying it's Monday when it's Tuesday, Tuesday when it's Wednesday, or even Wednesday when it's Thursday. Something that should be in the news, but is not, because it is not politically correct to mention this. One of the things that bothers me a great deal as a, I was a professor as many years was the total takeover of our university by leftists and anti-Semites. Here's something that I think should be in the news, but isn't. San Francisco State University will host a terrorist hijacker for an upcoming event. The main speaker, Lila Khalid, hijacked two planes as the leader of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, an internationally recognized terrorist organization. We're talking real terrorism here. 
We're talking people with guns and grenades. We're talking about people fighting and dying, being shot. As someone said, these are terrorists for God's sake. People can be critical of Israel, but they engage in hate and anti-Semitism. To literally have a terrorist, what kind of messages they send to students? That sometimes it's okay to use violence, that it's okay to hate, and it's okay to commit murder. There's an indelible double standard here. When someone is invited to speak on behalf of um, Israel, uh, pointing out a few of their good policies, a few of their good points, they are harassed, they are driven out, the speech is often canceled, they are shouted down, and the administration does nothing against that. But when the person is pro uh, eliminating Israel, that's the main goal of the terrorists, they're, apparently it's quite all right. It's quite all right, step right in. That is what I call fake news. It's a nice day outside, so I think uh, we'll uh, end with a couple of jokes so corny that will peel the wallpaper off your walls. Here is a picture of an older man wearing a fisherman's cap. I don't know why older men favor fisherman's caps, but they do. And uh, he is saying, as I've heard many times my parents say, I don't use turn signals. Nobody else's business where I'm going. All right, let's try another one here. This is so bad. All right, Mr. Clark says the judge, I've reviewed this case very carefully and I've decided to give your wife $775 a week. That's very fair, your honor, the husband said, and every now and then I'll try and throw in a few bucks myself. All right, that won't be needed a second time. Let's see. A blonde calls Delta Airlines and asks, can you tell me how long it'll take to fly from San Francisco to New York City? The travel agent says, just a minute. Thank you, says the blonde, and hangs up. I believe I've sunk as low as I can go there. Let's see if there's anything else here. No, that'll just get me in trouble with the wife. Thank you very much, and I hope you'll come some other time for... Um, uh, for this podcast and if you have any ideas or suggestions you can give a call or uh, go to the website and uh, I appreciate your tuning in here this is Citizens Going Wild my name is Dr. George Zilbergeld thank you for listening <laughs>